Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On episode 14 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, it's a three-man show again as we dissect West Ham's fourth win in a row, this time over Fulham. Close out the pod with a Watford preview, including predictions ahead of the upcoming match. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome to episode 14 of the Green Street Hammers podcast. We are back here. We have added another member back in after a little hiatus. Uh, Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. How you guys doing today? Good, good. Jeremiah, you're here as well. How's it going with you? It's doing good, doing good. Feeling uh, feeling good about these four games in a row. I, feel, I, I don't know. I, I was anticipating just like being happy about Christmas this time of year, which I, as mentioned before, I do love. But now West Ham's won four in a row. At least two goals in each one. Clean sheet in the last match. And we got Watford coming up next. So uh, things are things are feeling right in the world of West Ham, aren't they, guys? Yeah, they definitely are. Um, and just like you said, normally this time of year, I'm like, hey, I'm off work and it's Christmas time. And West Ham's playing and they're on TV, but, uh, you know, they're not really playing. But, yeah, right now there's a definite level of uh, optimism for sure. It's almost scary. Yeah, I thought going into last week's game against Fulham, that that was really kind of like the tipping point for me. It's like, okay, we've won three in a row. Let's see how we do with this one. And if the if the fourth one happens, then for sure things are clicking and the club has really turned a corner. And that's kind of how I feel, too. I, I feel this momentum is rolling, and I think it's going to take a pretty decent effort by Watford to slow that train down. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think before we jump into Watford, let's, let's – um... Let's take a look back at the Fulham match. Um, as it went down, I was actually, I was in your guys' nation. Uh, I was in uh, just outside of Buffalo when the game was happening. So I got to some Wi-Fi and got a nice stream going. So uh, I was able to actually watch. And to be honest, the, fir- the first half wasn't all that convincing. Despite West Ham scoring two goals in the first 30 minutes, I think they were probably the second best team in the first 30 minutes. Um, let's talk about the first, maybe the first um, important bit of action and that was the Kamara breakaway uh it looked like a little bit of dysfunction in the back line he was sent in all alone but yet again West Ham's maybe biggest value signing in the club's history question mark Lucas Fabianski stuck out uh, his right hand and, and swatted that away Jeremiah what do you think chalked up that that chance there it seemed like he maybe just sprung the trap at the perfect time on the offside trap there I think it was either the trap was sprung or I had a little bit of a uh... I guess a scare almost kind of like the Brighton the game again, where it almost looked like maybe the line was sleeping a little bit. Uh, I think just like you said, the first half, we didn't really, to me, other than the fact that we were up 2-0, uh, it didn't seem like they were clicking. So I think maybe he sprung it at the right time, but I do think that maybe, just maybe, they got caught sleeping a little bit. I think so too. And there's another case where Fabianski was there to save 
the club's bacon at a key point. And, you know, you look back and you can talk about clean sheets and how active he's had to be. And, you know, there's definitely been a time early in the season where the club was letting in a lot of goals. But I think any watcher of West Ham, any supporter would think it's not been Fabianski's fault because he is called on in every match to make some particular key save when either the match hangs in balance or to keep it where it is and give the ch club a chance to come from behind. And I thought that was the exact situation there early in the match versus Fulham. He made a big save uh, when it was called on, and then the next thing you know, and it was so nice to see for once, the club actually finished the two chances. You know, you could say it was against the run of play, but how many times have we done this podcast this season to where we thought the club was playing great, but they couldn't finish and they couldn't score, and that just leads to problems. And so I think that was a great turnaround, and it kind of just also proves that football gods and football luck and ball luck, it tends to even out over the course of an entire season. Absolutely. And and you know what? To, to talk about that Camara chance or maybe what it represents more, if you look back at our winning streak here, in the Newcastle game, there was uh, some early pressure from Aozi Perez. He, for whatever reason, had a terrible match against us and, and couldn't do a damn thing inside the box, but he had chances inside the box early. Fabianski forced to make an early save. Against Cardiff, there was the penalty. Fabianski makes the, the early save, keeps West Ham in it. Against Crystal Palace, Declan Rice and Fabianski kind of get mixed up in positioning, and MacArthur gets that early goal against West Ham. And against Fulham, there was this breakaway and, and beautiful save once again. So there's always this, um, I don't want to say they weren't sleeping because I don't think West Ham's sleeping at all, but whether it's just getting into the fluidity of the match or, or whatever it may be that happens over the course of 90 minutes, that first 10 to 15 minutes tends to be a little bit um, maybe off the rails, like trading chances. So West Ham is, is trying so hard to get that early start that they're opened up a little bit. And it was actually uh, the the trap was sprung on two of West Ham's, uh, probably their best two defenders this season. Issa Diop stepped up, and uh, Pablo Zabaleta was caught looking the wrong way, and boom, right down that right side, uh, Camara came in. But like we said, it was turned aside, and there's nothing more we can really add to that. You have a keeper for a reason, and we've got a good one, apparently. Uh, but let's get on to the goals here. The first goal uh, was pretty picturesque. Jeff, what do you, what do you make of that uh, Robert Snodgrass finish? I thought the finish was fantastic, but I think the interesting thing was the play leading up to the goal, and that is Felipe Anderson to win the ball from the defender on the first initial pass I thought was the most impressive part of the play. If he doesn't keep the ball, dribble around the defender and kind of kick the ball back to himself and then pick out Snodgrass, obviously the goal doesn't happen. So while the finish was fantastic, and boy, you could make a case for Snodgrass, you could make a case for Fabianski, you could make a case for Balbuena, all these signings, and I know Snodgrass has been with the club, but he was sent out on loan, for coming back into the club and being really bargains. Uh, but the, the finish was great, but it doesn't happen without Anderson. And, and the way that he kept the ball there along the left-hand side and then picked out Snodgrass uh, for the perfect cross and then the finish was outstanding. And really from there, I was like, wow, okay, look at that. That is like a legit football goal right there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and I think how, how lucky are we as a, as a football fan base that Snodgrass decided to stay at West oh. Ham. The way he was slated by the owners, slated by the fans, uh, really everybody. And he comes back, he loses the weight. And I think even at the beginning of the year, if you go back and listen to the podcast, I don't even know if I mentioned him or even mentioned him in the starting rotation anywhere. Um, but, yeah, it was fantastic. And even going further back on that goal for the pass initially from Noble yep. up, uh, it was just – it was beautiful play. It's almost like you could see it coming. Yes. And, and, I, and I love the fact – and you mentioned it before. It's good to have a keeper there 
And then it just seems like plays have come off of that. And it's good to see that we're actually kind of feeding off of like you know, reverse opportunity. Something happens, defense makes a good stop, goalkeeper makes a good stop, and we in turn take advantage of that. Um, but yeah, beautiful, beautiful, well done. Um, nice curl in. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful shot. You, you know, Adam, I know you want to have something to say about this too, but on Snodgrass, and it kind of just speaks to me to where the club is at this point after 17 game weeks, is, is Snodgrass is a pro. You know, Zabaleta, his effort has been pro. Noble is a pro. And I think definitely at times last year when the club was a mess and chemistry was wrong and even going back to when Paye left and that really started things going downhill, it just didn't seem like we had that much professionalism, whether it was to finish out a game or to make a play. But now the effort of some of these guys, and I'm not saying the other guys aren't professional, but, I mean, week after week, guys like Zabaleta and Balbuena and Noble and Snodgrass are just pros, and you have to have those guys in your club. Yeah, you, you get the fancier guys, the Arnautoviches, the Felipe Andersons, the Mazuaku when he's going forward that, that you know, have the flair and can make things look a little ex- ex- extravagant. But those guys that fill out the rest of your team, that put in the hardworking shifts, that make the tackles and, and pick out the passes, those are the guys who really make your team work. The other guys sort of push it over the top. But just my, my last thought on the goal there, two things that were, I think, awesome about it, and you guys talked about it as well. With Noble's pass, that little tail on the end of it, that curl right at the end just to get around the defender, it was beautiful. And then Snodgrass taking it on the first touch, that's got so key in there. If he takes a if he takes a touch and rolls it forward, the defenders close in, the keeper gets set, but he just hit it as hard as he could. A little bit of curl, like you said, Jeremiah, and it didn't matter. The keeper, if he got a hand on it, would have just bent it straight back, so... Um, nice to see him having the confidence to shoot on net. I know he was looking for crosses a lot earlier in the season and looking to pick somebody out, but I think he's really relishing that role in that, in that, in that formation of having a little bit more free reign to, to sort of get around the box and get somewhere that's open and don't really care about sticking to your side as long as you're getting goal side. So really impressive there. The second goal was maybe more impressive because of the, the assist that came with it. And it was a Felipe Anderson cross that was then, headed backwards and won by Chicharito for his first assist as a West Ham player. Uh, I think he beat out a 6-4 defender on a header, and Antonio stopped it with his right foot and then coolly sort of slotted it right home between the, the keeper's legs, and that was game right there. Jeff, what do you think about that one? How, how spectacular was that uh, assist? It, the assist was great, and I, was, I loved seeing it. And I think, you know, as we've gone through this season, there has been nobody that has been harder on Mikel Antonio than me, both on the podcast and at GreenStreetHammers.com, especially on some of the player grades after matches because he just didn't have any touch in the final third. And then you look at what he did, stopping the ball with one foot, transferring it to the other, and going nutmeg through the goaltender's legs to score. I thought – you know, maybe I should give Antonio credit, but I think really what I'm going to do is give myself credit because since I've been ragging on him so hard over the last six weeks, that's what's really the turnaround in his form. And, of course, I know he listens to everything and reads everything, so that has to be it, right? But You, you motivated him. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, but in all seriousness, we need that, and I'm happy to see it. And over the last few weeks, he is really – no player to me has turned it around more than him. Even when he played right back, he scored as well. And he was he did great there, and he's probably going to have to do that again here in the next couple weeks as the as the squad continues to be rotated as we get into this busy fixture stretch. But I thought it was a fantastic goal and a fantastic finish. And then you consider it's Antonio, and he has feet of brick. Sometimes I think it's even more <laughs> spectacular. Yeah, I uh, 
I gotta say with that header, uh, that headed pass, I guess we'll call it. Um, when the when the cross came into Chicharito, I was doing some work at the same time, and I saw it go towards him, and I actually looked away. So I was like, oh, he's not gonna win that. And then and then I heard the announcer saying it goes to Antonio, and I looked back up. I'm like, wow. So, uh, but yeah, no, I uh, I was nervous as well, Jeff, with the uh, with the bricks of feet that you say Antonio has, but. Uh, <laughs> No, he played it well. You know, he it looked confident. He looked like he had composure in that moment. And uh, that's a tough spot, right? You're just one-on-one with the keeper. You can easily miss that or hit it right into him. And he made it look super simple. Um, he did. It seemed like about every 15 minutes, because I think it wasn't the first goal right around the 15-ish minute mark. And then uh, the next one was like, I don't know, 15 minutes after that. or So it seemed like about every 15 minutes we kind of started playing up. And then it kind of went back and forth for a little bit. But, yeah, no, that was... It was a, definitely a, a clinical goal for sure from Antonio, which we haven't said in a while. So no, no doubt, yeah. And, and that was it was 17 minutes and 29 minutes. But as you okay. said, it was sort of West Ham just taking their chances when they got them. I don't know if you guys looked at the team stats or not, but um, interesting. Uh, Fulham had 10 more shots than West Ham with 16 to six. They had one more on target, four to three. They outpossessed West Ham by 56 percent. They had uh, 498 passes to West Ham's 391. They were more accurate with their passes, and they had two more corners than West Ham. So Fulham are looking better under Claudio Ranieri, which I was concerned about because, of course, we get the team that's got a new manager and is ready to get excited. And the same thing is going to happen with Southampton, who have beat Arsenal out of nowhere. So um, mm-hmm. now uh, things are sort of changing, and you're sort of starting to see things settle in the Premier League. But before we jump on to anything else here, who was your guys' uh, man of the match? I'll go first. I think mine has to be Antonio just for the the sort of effort he put in, uh, constantly chasing balls down. He played, uh, he played pretty well the entire match and, and was looking really... I know he did get subbed off, but he, he was looking super uh, motivated to sort of get in there and make a make an impact on the team. And he got his goal finally uh, after scoring one as a right back. He, he got one as, as a center forward. So I was happy to see that. Uh, but I think Antonio is mine. Jeremiah, who do you have for yours? I'm going to go with Fabianski. Um, not sure on the numbers, like you said, with stats. I don't know if you have the stats on the saves and, and whatnot. But I think just, you know, once again, um, definitely underrated, in my opinion, as far as when we – of all the transfers that we got this summer, he was definitely kind of more of underrated for me. And uh, he's just stepped up once again. But I, I think without him this week, much like a couple other weeks, um, the scoreline and the game could have been a lot different. I think it was, for me, Felipe Anderson. And that's cool that we all three had uh, different <laughs> man of the <laughs> matches. First thing we disagree know, with. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I and, know. I think, and I think it kind of just speaks to the club, right, and the performance. It was... When you look at it, it didn't start off well, but the club took its chances. It was up to nothing, and after that, you know, it was a pretty professional way to see out the game. But I thought Anderson was so—he had the first assist, and he didn't get an assist technically on on the Antonio goal, but he definitely created to get the pass to Chicharito, who got the assist. But the other thing I was impressed by with Anderson in the match against Fulham was his speed was on full display, maybe more so than it has been earlier on in the year when he's game fit or whatever— there he's more used to the system, but there is a definite other gear that he has when he's carrying the ball up or when he's taking on a defender. And that was to me noticeable. It was also noticeable. I thought he and Masuaku both on the left side took their turns tracking back and making tackles. And, and I thought Anderson, you know, to use a phrase I heard on the broadcast, which I thought was funny, got his knees dirty a few times, which is great <laughs> to see. And I think you put that whole thing together. That's what we want from that guy. And that's what we need from him. And I think, you know, don't look now and knock on wood, but with Marco Arnautovic out, 
Um, Anderson's really kind of stepped up, and the club doesn't seem to have missed a beat so far. I'm not saying we don't need him because he does, and I saw the dumbest poll on Twitter today that said something like, when, when uh, Marco Arnautovic is healthy, does he walk right back into oh. the starting 11? And it's like, yeah, yep, duh, of course. Of, course, of course he does. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Anderson was my man of the match. Awesome. All right, so we will uh, wrap this segment up here, and we'll be back in just a moment here to talk about the upcoming game against Watford. All right, so we're back. We're talking uh, Watford coming up here. Uh, I'll just set the stage a little bit here. So we talk about West Ham's last four. Let's talk about Watford's last four as well. They lost to Leicester 2-0 on the 1st of December with a red card. They lost 2-1 to Man City in a close game, actually, on the 4th. Uh, they drew Everton 2-2. And they narrowly beat Cardiff City after going up 3-0, I believe, 3-2 last match week. Now, this team doesn't scream elite talent, but they are probably the hardest test for uh, this West Ham team in this stretch of quote-unquote winnable fixtures that we're in right now. Jeff, what what are your initial thoughts about Watford? Is is there any sort of uh, player you're highlighting that could be a, a potential one to watch in this match? Well, they always, I think they're, we talked about in the last segment about West Ham being professional. I think Watford's a professional team. They, they seem to play well together. Everybody always talks about Troy Deeney for sure. Uh, Decore in midfield is another one to watch for Watford. They get goal scoring from all over the pitch, not just their center forwards. Um, and I think it's always a tough match. And I always have bad memories when we play Watford going back to the Dimitri Payet days and the Rabona move and West Ham was up two nothing and Watford didn't like that. And we ended up losing that match. I think it was either three to two or four to two. And that you could look back at that and make a case, uh, at that point, it was in the 2016, 2017 season that that could have been the beginning of the end or started to show some cracks in that foundation of that group of players leaving Bolin and going into Olympic, uh, Olympic park there. But I'd, that's, I'm always worried about it, and I just think they're a tough out, and I think this is going to be a tough match on Saturday for West Ham. Jeremiah, anyone that uh, that you have lined up there that could be potentially dangerous? Yeah, you know, you already kind of mentioned it with Dini. Um, I know I'm going to jack their names up, but uh, uh, was it Gerard De La Foe? De La Foe? Am I saying yep. that right? Anywhere yep. close. Something and then, uh, there. Something, and then you know who I'm talking about. And then uh, <laughs> Roberto Perea. Perea um, he... Yeah, they both, they just kind of scream, like you said, it's it's not that they're a tough team by any uh, sense of it, but I think so far in the stretch of winnings and, and, this, and the stretch of continually winning out to see how far we can go on the streak, they're going to be the toughest match. Um, and yeah, they, they had, they were up 3-0 on Cardiff last week, and I was actually watching that game, and uh, yeah, they let them come back in, and um, and I mean, of course, it was towards the end, so it might have been crap goals or whatever you want to call it, but Another thing, I don't think that uh, Domingos Kina, or however we say that, you know, our former player, the one we let go, is going to, I've seen a lot of polls this week that is he going to, you know, come back and, and kind of bite us in the butt for getting rid of him. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen, but he's definitely one to watch out for too. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. Uh, I did a piece for, for Green Street Hammers that uh, was basically going over their, their, their top goal scorers and who are the ones to watch. And like you guys have said, Troy Deeney, uh, Decore, uh, both of them have, I believe, two or three goals, two goals. Uh, Andre Gray, who was starting earlier in the season but is now bench option, has three. And uh, Roberto Perea, he leads the team with five goals, although two of those, or three of them came in the first month of the season. So he uh, has cooled down a little bit uh, here, uh, being just at five goals. But Domingos Quina, he's, 
it's this this lineup says they're playing a four two 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 with Quinnet as a defensive midfielder. I don't think that's necessarily correct. He didn't scream defensive did midfielder when we saw him mm-hmm. at West Ham. He's more of an attacker and uh, a little bit frail, but uh, very good with his feet. So where he doesn't he he isn't really a physical specimen, so you can't really. He wouldn't bully you off the ball or ball or hold you off, but he's really good at dribbling and and uh, he's got really good sense for the for the pitch. So he'll beat you with a quick move and a dribble rather than being strong. So um, I think he's gonna maybe have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. That being said, West Ham didn't sell him because they wanted to. I think the idea was to keep Quinn and he was gonna probably be um, West Ham's uh, Grady D and Ghana player that this season mm-hmm. if he was still with us. But mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, it was broken by X that the. Uh, the agent for him stirring up some trouble, and of course he gets a cut of whatever move uh, happens. So Quinto was moved. Uh, it wasn't PSG, it wasn't Barcelona, it wasn't Real Madrid, it wasn't Bayern Munich, but uh, big old Watford that came in for him, and for one million pounds <laughs> it sealed his move away. So uh, I don't, yeah, I don't see him being one to haunt us forever, but uh, I, I do, uh, I do think. Someone to circle. Uh, but like you guys said, prof- team of professionals, goals from all over the place. I agreed. Dini always has something in him. He's a bit of a prickly guy. And Dale LaFoe mm-hmm. is super quick and is pretty strong at finishing. So I, I, I do peg him for maybe getting a chance or two. Um, let's play a little game of our starting 11 or their starting 11. And we'll see who we want to pick here. And we play similar formation, so it should be easy. Um just uh, in a word or two, let me know what you guys think. Fabianski or Foster? Jeff, let you go first. Fabianski. Jeremiah? Fully Fabianski, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's me too. And left back, Holabas or Cholabas or however you want to pronounce it. I'm going to say Holabas or Mazuaku. Go ahead, Jeremiah. I'm going to shock the world and say Mazuaku. Wow. You are. I you am. Are. I am. <laughs> I'm going to say Holabas. I think he's a little bit more of a veteran guy. He scored a goal last week, and he does like to get in the play. But I like him going back better, and he still offers a lot going forward. So Holabas for me. Jeff? I, I would definitely take Holabas, too. Perfect. And out of the center backs, uh, we could probably all agree on this one. Cabasele and Cathcart or Diop and Balbuena. I'm going to say West Ham's. Same. Same. And right backs, you have Zabaleta or Femenia. Gosh, Zabaleta mm. just can't. He he mm. cannot. He cannot leave this lineup. I'm going to say Pablo Zabaleta. Yeah, he's too. been great. He's me been great too. this year. He's been shocking. Yeah, I have to go with him. And apparently, it's, also he has uh, thrashed any accounts of him wanting to retire at the end of this season. So he loves quote unquote loves football right now and loves being part of the West Ham family. So well, I don't know. Uh, okay, uh, your defensive midfielders. They have Decore and Quina in here. We have Rice and Noble. I'm going to take a mix of Decore and Rice. How about you, Jeff? I totally agree with that. And you could also make almost make the case that you would take Watford's pair if you had to pair them both together and couldn't separate them. I mean, Declan Rice is great, but so is Decore. I mean, that, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, let's, uh, let's bore the listeners, and I'll say the same thing. Wow, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, we may agree on this one. Um, Snodgrass and, and uh, Felipe Anderson or Sema and Perea. I'm taking West Ham's. I am too, and we've just spent you know plenty of time talking about Snodgrass and Anderson, so mm-hmm. I think you can't go against the grain on that one. Without those two guys, West Ham would be in a, a heap of trouble, I think. Totally. Yeah, you really can't. Yep, I agree. Yeah, and even like Perea is a really, a really talented player. Last season, he wasn't getting starts, I don't think, but uh, he... He was sort of coming on and being an impact sub and earned his spot there and earned it this season as well. But I think uh, 
if you're looking at, I don't think Felipe, I think Felipe Anderson's leaps and bounds above the other three in this category. And mm-hmm. I don't think I would take Perea over Snodgrass. I just don't see him doing what Snodgrass does. Uh, maybe that's just me, but we guys agreed. So I guess it's not just me. <laughs> um, all right, forwards. They have Gerard DLFO and Troy Deeney. And for us, it's a bit up in the air. Arnautovich won't be back. It looks like Perez will be, but I, I imagine it'll probably be Chicharito and Antonio again. So um, who are you guys taking out of those two? I'm taking Watford center forwards because of we don't have Arnautovich in this one. And, you know, I just the consistency for both Antonio and Chicharito have not, has not been there. They're both obviously playing better now, which is when the match is going to be played. But I just think overall, if I was looking at this on paper, I would take those two center forwards for Watford over West Ham's. Yeah, I think I would do a mix. I think I would go with Chicha and then maybe – Maybe throw Dini in there. Like you said, he's scrappy, kind of a thug in a way. Um, he's a big guy could, too. Yeah, they could be a good combo together. So I think I would I would mix it up and go Dini and Chicha. Yeah, I don't hate that idea. I, I would I would say Carroll and Chicharito, but that wasn't an option. Um, I like De Lafoe's <laughs> speed. He'd be the best right winger on the pitch, that's for sure. As a straight up center forward, I guess I'll take West Ham's. I, I like I like the way Antonio's running right now. He could probably take De Lafoe in a race. Um, if you put a ball in front of them, then all bets are off. But uh, I, I like Chicharito as well up top there. So there we go. It's a pretty. It's actually a pretty mixed up, uh, pretty mixed up line. But the uh, the spine of the team behind uh, the keeper, the center backs, the defensive midfielder, and the attacking midfielder, all being West Ham, are, is, is pretty telling. I think. Um, so. Guys, yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say, and it's funny. We we've. We've had fun with Andy Carroll on this podcast a lot, and you just mentioned <laughs> him there, and you really look at look at him, and I just was going to ask y'all's opinion because he's played more and more. He's definitely got his chances. I thought last week he didn't look as rusty as he did in the previous matches, but he's yet to find any any kind of traction at all, any kind of impact into the game, and I just wonder where you feel he is. Uh, at this point and coming back from the injury and getting himself into game shape, he definitely looks thinner. He looks leaner. He's not carrying uh-huh. as much weight, but he just hasn't been able to take any kind of bite out of the match yet. Jeremiah? I think, uh, yeah, I think that I think you're exactly right. First couple games back, I'm like, oh, you know, he just needs some time to get back into it. Uh, I think, too, maybe West Ham, we're not playing our old typical way of taking down the wings and cross it in. Um, we're seemingly playing a little bit differently right now, and uh, maybe that's not really playing to his strengths as it could be. It could be that, or it could be it's just taking a little bit to come back. But he he definitely looked a little better um, the second or third time out compared to when he first came back. Uh, but yeah, I think maybe more to me, maybe more. It's just a chance of the fact that he we're not playing to his strengths as much. Yeah, I I, I agree with that too. I think he he hasn't really played with West Ham in that dual striker active attacking midfielder sort of uh, setup. But um, I, I'm happy you brought up his weight there, there, Jeff, because I didn't really, it didn't really ring a bell with me, but thinking of how Pellegrini talked to Snodgrass about dropping some pounds and getting leaner, I guess this manager's taking a real, uh, a real bite out of the actual guys who are on the pitch physically, mentally, and like getting into their personal lives. And, and maybe he wanted Carroll to lose some pounds and be a little bit quicker out there, which I wouldn't hate. So I'm all on board with that. I also think, we haven't started him yet, and it may be maybe Pellegrini being a little tentative after uh, what happened with Wilshire, sort of getting hit in the ankle. Now, the other ankle, now he's out for a couple months again. Um, 
I think he's not fully match fit. That's why he hasn't been starting. Um, you're not going to get anything more than 45 minutes out of him, maybe. So maybe this is the game that changes that, where he can actually have more time to make an impact. But I also think just his presence on the pitch makes a big impact. Look at the the first Snodgrass goal. You have Andy Carroll drawing coverage, pulling defenders out, and he he opened up the space on that cross. Uh, I think it was Zabaleta who put a cross in that got deflected. All the defenders were running back to cover Andy Carroll. That ball goes to the top of the box, and Snodgrass puts it in. So he's having an impact. It's just not a headed impact, so to speak. Um, but I think we're all sort of dancing around the point that he's not fully fit, and he's not fully in match shape, whether that's getting in with the formation or whatnot. So it'll come. Uh, he'll, he'll be that impact sub. And uh, it seems like those reports uh, of him going to Galatasaray are, are a little bit uh, – False, we'll say for now, uh, as X is backed up, and and Carroll probably wouldn't want to leave his uh, cushy hundred k life in in London to go to Turkey right now. I wouldn't assume. By by the way, I was actually at work. Uh, I think it was last week, and Champions League was on in the break room, and Gallat say was playing, and our old friend. And now that I brought this up, I can't remember his name. Our Fuguli. old friend under yeah, Faguli was yeah, Fuguli. there, and and he actually looked great, and he scored a penalty uh, in the in the match, a penalty kick, and he was running around, and I thought to myself, you know what, man, he probably got a shaft, the shaft here. He was here at the wrong time. He could have mm-hmm. been a useful player for this club. I I love Sofian Faguli. He uh, he was super energetic and quick down the wing, and he could whip mm-hmm. a cross in. I think he was uh, without uh, including Payet. He was West Ham's best crosser on that team outside of Payet. So I, I think we missed out on him. Yeah, I think he was just here at the wrong time. You know, as as us West Ham fans do, we sit around and, and think about nothing but West Ham right. and most of the time. And uh, it, and I was thinking about actually thinking about him the other day, and I was like, what if he was here now? Like how much different will we play to his strengths. You know, nothing against Billich. I loved Billich, but he seemed to always kind of sometimes play people out of position, just a different formation than maybe what he was used to. But yeah, if he was here now, I think you're right. He just got unlucky and he was here at the wrong time, but cause he's a really good player. We're missing, yeah. we're missing someone with some whipping balls and uh, that can come mm-hmm. off the bench anyways. Um, gentlemen, we can round out this conversation and this podcast with some predictions. Uh, Jeremiah, we'll go to you first. How do you think it's going to end, and who do you think the goal scorers are going to be? So, typical West Ham fashion, I am uh, can, I'm starting to get nervous now almost. I'm, I'm, I'm still optimistic that we're going to keep the streak alive, but I'm kind of starting to get nervous of when it might end. And uh, But I'm going to go with another win. I'm going to go 1-0. I think that it's going to be hard fought. It's going to be at home, so that's going to play to us. But um, looking at some stats this week, Watford does play better. Typically, they play better on the road so this year anyway. Um, and so I think we're going to go 1-0. I think the goal scorer is going to be milling that around. Um, I'm going to go with Chicharito, but it's going to be 1-0. Nice. Jeff? Uh, I agree with pretty much what you just said, Jeremiah. I think it's going to be a hard-fought match. I think uh, we figured out how to score some goals, so I see that we will. I think it's going to be 2-1 to one to West Ham, and we'll win tip only because we're at home and they're on mm-hmm. the road. I think the goal scorers are going to be Anderson and Chicharito. All right, and guys, everything you guys are saying makes so much sense, and I've tried to use common sense to pick my matches and scores before. I got close once, but I underestimated <laughs> I'm going to go a 4-1 win for West Ham. I think Watford's going to be the best team that West Ham play against in this stretch. And I don't know why, but a 4-1. How about that? I'm going to say 2 to Anderson, 
one to Carol and one to Chicharito. Jeez, Louise. If that happens, <laughs> it's going to be a heck of a Christmas present. I got to tell you that. I'm going to put a nickel on that bet. I'll probably win four grand if all that comes true. That would yeah, be awesome. No that would uh, be great. I think it's good. To, it's positive that we're all seeing this as a winnable match, and we're all seeing this as um, at West Ham as a team that uh, – is it sort of a like we're not we didn't talk about formation we didn't talk about who make the starting lineup we didn't talk about any of that West Ham's a team that right now is playing as well as we've seen them play in the last five years and they are a team that sort of is in that next man up mentality and I love seeing the team clicking and banging on all cylinders like they are I do too and I think you know this is a key match because we're going to play three games in the next basically eight days Mm-hmm. And two of them are on the road. This is the home one, so we need to take care of business here so we can bank these points and move on. Yeah, we can continue to uh, make up this ground. And, you know, now with trouble in front of us with Man U, obviously new coach, and they're obviously in some type of turmoil. We can definitely take advantage of this and be sitting pretty by the new year for sure. Guys, let's keep the positive uh, the positive vibes going here. Let's keep the winning games going. And uh, we're going to actually be back on a shorter uh a shorter rest period here. Uh, we'll be recording this weekend, most likely on Saturday, and for an episode that'll go out on Sunday morning. We'll blast that out on social media for all you guys that are that are listening there. We appreciate you guys. Um, this isn't our. We can't give our Christmas uh, send off because this isn't the last one before Christmas. So stay tuned for that. What a cliffhanger! Um, and yeah, we're going to talk to you guys in a few days. Let's go West Ham. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.